Hi, guys. Hi. How's it going? I'm nervous. This is fun, though. Um, honestly, when Josh asked, or it wasn't even asked, it was kind of a force, um, forced me to do this, I, the only reason I actually felt okay about doing it was because you guys are family and because of the ways that you guys have loved and accepted me in this community. And so, um, yeah, let's pray. God, I ask that you would meet us this morning. Um, I pray that any words that I say that aren't of you would just be forgotten, and that you would speak through me, that you would touch hearts this morning, and that um, we would be excited for what you have. Amen. Amen. So, um, when I first found out I would be reading and talking about Acts 8, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, I went straight to VeggieTales. And I was bummed to find that they didn't have an episode on this chapter. And so you're just going to have to hear from me. No Tom and Larry for the, you this morning. Um, but this story is another story about Philip. And we learned about him the last few weeks. And we know that he was a well-respected man in the early church. And he was among the seven men that the disciples chose to serve in the church. They were... Um, growing, the community of Christ was growing, new believers were being added every day, and the disciples, in a similar way where Josh and Mike are like, oh crap, we got to hire people for a reunion so we can actually pastor the church, the disciples, am I allowed to say crap? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Did I say it twice? Oh my gosh. Okay, so the disciples were like, oh crap, we got to go, <laughs> we got to go out, and we need to be evangelizing, and we need to be preaching the gospel, and so we need people to come and take care of the church. I mean, one of the examples was the widows in the community. They needed to make sure they were getting their allotment of food. And so the role that Philip was chosen for was called a deacon, and it basically just means servants. And I do want to pause here for a second because the only two qualifiers that the Bible gives for Philip or anyone who was a deacon in that community in that time was that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and that they were full of wisdom. And that means that that could be any of us. Because the Holy Spirit is a gift from God, and wisdom is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And so that means all we have to do is ask for more, and that is available to us. Does that sound good? Okay. So, that's exciting. Um, so, we know that after the death of Stephen, um, everyone but the apostles scattered, and that's how we find Philip in Samaria, like we learned a couple weeks ago. So, we're going to read Acts 8, 26-40. If you have a Bible, open it up. And if not, we're going to have the words on the screen. I've got to hold it up because I have grandma eyes and Bible font small. So, um, <laughs> now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south on the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kenzake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book, Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up to come and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. 
Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As he traveled along the road, they came down to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Then they came up out of the water, and the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in towns until he reached Caesarea. It's crazy. There's so much. Well, I mean, let's just start, because it's a crazy story. So first, we have an angel of the Lord telling Philip to go along a certain road, and it just says, so he started out on that road. No questions asked, and we learn immediately that Philip is someone who lives in obedience to God. I would have had so many questions if God was like, hey, can you just like hop on the 405 and just start driving? I'd be like, well, where am I going? Can Ben come? Are there snacks? Can I stop at Traders? How long am I gone? So I just, I mean, I would have gone, but it just, I would have had a lot more questions first. And so um, that's just what I love about Philip. He just goes. He lives in obedience. And One thing I do want to say about obedience is that I think a lot of times we think about obedience as something that traps us or something that's just a set of rules that we need to follow in order to make God happy. And if we mess up, if we step out of line, we'll get disciplined or or God will be mad at us. Um, And I think that might even sound miserable for some of us. Um, But then the opposite is we live in a world where it's like, oh, I'm just going to do my thing. That's your truth. This is my truth. We're all just kind of like vibing. Everything's okay. Everything's cool. Um, And in, in trying to avoid dying to ourselves to live with Jesus, we end up doing things that actually lead to death. And so obedience leads to life. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves so that we can rise with him and experience eternal life. So that makes Philip's obedience all the more exciting. Um, and he's walking along this road, and then the Spirit tells him, go up to some random chariot and walk alongside it. And he does. I mean, that's just awkward altogether. Um, And so, but something I've kind of been learning about Philip, or at least something that's come to mind when I think about this, is I don't think that when God asked, or the angel of the Lord asked Philip to go on this desert road and then asked him to stand next to a chariot, I don't think that was the first yes he ever gave God. I think it started out way earlier. I think it started out when the apostles needed someone to just serve in the church. And it was a small yes that led to an even bigger yes and a big adventure. And I think that sometimes we just need to start with the small yes. Jesus says in Luke that if you can be trusted with little, you'll be trusted with much. And I think that maybe for some of us that's the case. We just have a small yes, and maybe it's just serving in your local church. Um, And so that's what Philip did. He said a small yes, and later he found himself a really big, exciting, nerve-wracking yes. Um, My mouth is getting dry. I need water. So just sit on that for a sec. (laughs) I just rolled. Okay, here we go. So that's Philip, and that's exciting. And then we have the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, you might be asking yourself, what's a eunuch? Well, I thought about this for like three weeks. I was going to explain it to you guys. Um, (laughs) 
a eunuch is a man who's been castrated. And it's not funny. Uh, so um, I was more nervous about explaining the eunuch than about the entire message. So, um, yeah, a eunuch is a man who's been castrated. And in the, com- in the ancient Near East, it was common for men who served in official positions to be castrated. And keep this in mind, I'm not just explaining this because it's fun to talk about castration. I'm explaining it because it's relevant to the story, and this is a significant deformity. So we know this man happened to be a high-ranking official for the Queen of Ethiopia, and he was in charge of the treasury, which meant he was probably very wealthy and had a lot of influence. Um, and we learned that this eunuch had traveled from... Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And um, what isn't blatantly obvious in this story is what would have happened when he got to the temple to worship. N.T. Wright describes this eunuch as an outsider and says it would have been virtually impossible and very unlikely that he would have been Jewish or even a convert to Judaism because um, he would have found that after traveling miles and miles on a dangerous desert road, it would have taken him months via chariot to get from Africa to Jerusalem And he would have found that once he got there, um, because of man's flawed interpretation of the law, he would have been kept from worshiping inside the temple. So he would have had to stay outside and not been welcomed in. I mean, he would have been rejected because of his deformity by man. Imagine even just driving your short distance to church, and because of a circumstance you find yourself in, because of how you grew up, because of the way you look, because of a deformity you have, you have to worship outside. And we're all in here. I mean, that's just heartbreaking. But what's so beautiful is we find himself on his way back still seeking. And I think, too, that this is a prophetic moment for our culture, and it speaks to it because we love to make excuses to blame God for man's mistakes. And we blame man's flaws on Christianity or on God himself. And I'm not saying that it's not okay to be mad at God. I'm mad at God all I spent most of this year being just really upset and mad at God. And that's okay. I believe that's worship too. The Bible's full of people who are mad at God. The Psalms give us permission to be mad at God. But what I'm saying is we cannot blame man's mistakes and man's flaws and the brokenness of this world on God. But the purity and the genuineness of this Ethiopian eunuch is beautiful and something that we should learn from because he doesn't blame man's mistakes on God. I know I've been hurt by the church. I know a lot of us have. But God is so good and kind, and he can work through that. He can heal that and redeem that. And these Pharisees that didn't let the eunuch in, guess what? They they fell short of the glory of God. We all do. But God's glory didn't fall short, and he was after this Ethiopian. So I don't know how he heard about God. I don't know why. I mean, if I had heard these stories about a God who delivers his people out of Egypt, who sends his people into battle and then wins the battle on their behalf when they worship him, who sends the walls of Jericho tumbling down, who parted the Red Sea, I'd be super curious too. So the only thing we do know is that he was genuinely seeking God because he was curious. Acts says he was reading Isaiah when Philip was walking alongside him, Isaiah 53 to be exact. And Philip asks, do you know what you're reading? And at first, when I read this question, I thought it was more along the lines of like, I'm Jewish, I know the Bible back and and forth, I know the Old Testament, Um, like almost as if like, hey, like, are you reading Harry Potter? Like, what chapter are you on? You know, kind of question. But I think um, the real reason he asked this is because Philip now has a new, completely understanding of 
what Isaiah is talking about. He's just seen the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Pentecost, and he now gets it. He gets that Isaiah and the whole Old Testament is all pointing to Jesus. And he, he knew the Messiah that Isaiah was prophesying about, and he wanted the eunuch to know him too. Um, I guess the, the kind of image that comes to mind when I, when I think about this is, anyone seen National Treasure? It's so good. I think I've probably seen it like six times. And um, hold on. How do you like so casually drink water? I feel like it has to be like a big thing. Um, okay, so National Treasure. We know that Nicolas Cage is, his character is like trying to find this treasure. There's a map apparently on the back of the Declaration of Independence. And he only has parts of the, the, the clues. And so he's looking at the Declaration of Independence. He's like, I know there's a map here. I just can't see it. And then he goes and he gets a clue and he finds these bifocals that Benjamin Franklin apparently made. And he like puts them on and he sees part of the map and he sees another clue, but he's still confused. And he's like, I know this is going somewhere, but I just, I don't see where it's going and I don't get it yet. And then towards the end of the movie, he realizes you can flip the lens on the bifocals and it reveals the whole map. And then he's like, oh my gosh, it's a whole new way of reading the map. And I think that's what Philip did here. He's seen the map. He saw Isaiah. He saw what was prophesied, but he didn't get it. He didn't get where it was going. And Jesus comes and he flips the lens and he says, this is where it's going. Redemption, renewal, acceptance. And so I think that's what happened. Philip has a whole new way of reading the map and he wants this Ethiopian eunuch to see the same thing too. So it says he starts with that passage of Isaiah that he was reading, Isaiah 53, and he tells him the good news about Jesus, the whole story, that he is welcome into the kingdom of God, that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again. And um, what's so crazy is that if the eunuch was reading Isaiah 53, and if he would have kept reading three more chapters, he would have found this in Isaiah 56. You can turn your Bibles if you want, or it'll be up on the screen. So just three chapters later from where the eunuch was reading, it says... This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, will hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Boom! Prophecy fulfilled right before our eyes. I just think that's amazing. And, and we learn that Jesus is constantly removing the blocks that we put in our way or others put in our way to get to him. And it's so beautiful. And so after hearing all this, the Ethiopian asked to be baptized. And I think the way that he asked is really significant here because 
He says, what can stand in the way of me being baptized? In other words, I wasn't welcome in the temple because of my deformity. Will I be welcome in the kingdom of God? Can I be baptized? Will Jesus accept me? And Philip's just like, let's go, come on. I don't even think, it doesn't even say he answers. He just does it. And I think that that's so amazing because that's what Jesus does. And so then it says they went to the water and they got baptized, or Philip baptized the eunuch. And then the eunuch comes back out of the water and then boom, Philip's gone. It says the spirit of the Lord suddenly took, (laughs) that's crazy, suddenly Deb's (laughs) Deb's laughing because it suddenly took him away. Some translations say, um, CSB, Mike's favorite translation says that he was snatched. Yeah, shout out to Mike. Mike loves CSV. His, his, <laughs> I'm reading NIV. I'm sorry. Um, it says he was snatched up. Like, that's insane. And I don't know. I just think that just shows that God can do whatever he wants. Um, and so then it says, just to bring up that Isaiah 56 passage again, it says the Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing. And in Isaiah 56, 7, it says, I will bring them to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Again, it's just prophecy being fulfilled. It's, it's, God knew this all along. Josh and I were talking before the service, and I was like, that's so crazy that Isaiah 56 literally says that. And Josh was like, I know, it's almost as if God planned it or something. <laughs> it's crazy. So um, the eunuch went on his way rejoicing, and he went, we know he was on his way back to Ethiopia. And what's so cool is at that time in history, Ethiopia is where the maps ended. So that was considered to be the ends of the known earth at that time. So if we remember what Jesus told his followers, he said, be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we see this man who was being rejected by man, now the conduit in which Jesus' call to be his witnesses is fulfilled. He's going to the ends of the known earth at that time to share the gospel. And we even know that when the first Christian missionaries later got to Ethiopia, the church was already thriving. And they credit it back to that man. He brought the good news to Ethiopia, to the ends of the earth. It says so much about God. So we hear all this, and what does it mean for us? I think it means four main things. The first being obedience leads to life. And if we remember what we talked about, Philip's only qualifiers were that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, which means we can always ask for more. There is always more available to us. But I think it was those two things in him that enabled him to be obedient. And sometimes it might even look like, like we said, just saying yes to God in the first place. Maybe it's literally just saying yes to serving in kids' ministry or serving on the Greek team on a Sunday. Maybe it's just a small yes. Maybe it's just talking to someone who has been on your heart. Um, Maybe it's just waking up in the morning and asking God what he wants to do. Um, Yeah, obedience leads to life. And it, it won't always lead to the 2022 version of life that we see, but it leads to eternal life. Point two, all are welcome. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that doesn't mean we take sin lightly. That doesn't mean we just flippantly go throughout life saying, whoopsies. It means that we all need Jesus equally. It means that none of us are any better off than the rest. And we all have to choose to die to ourselves in order to rise with Christ. The third point is, this Ethiopian eunuch was a genuine seeker. God will always reveal himself to those who seek him. And not only was he seeking God, but God was seeking him. God sent Philip on this dangerous road 
in the middle of the desert just for this man. And this is made clear when, as soon as Philip's task was done, when the man entered into the kingdom of God, Philip's gone, boom, he's snatched up. I mean, that's crazy. God didn't need Philip to go all the way down to Gaza. He just sent him for specifically for this man. So this man that, again, was rejected by man, God was after him. That's God's heart for all of us. And Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13 says, Then you will call on me and come pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Point four. God can do whatever he wants. God can send you into the desert with no direction. God can use anyone at any time, and God can apparently teleport people. And I don't say that... (laughs) I think it's really cool. I really do. I think it's amazing. And I wish it would happen to me, maybe right now. Um, But I think it's really cool. But it's a reminder not to lose our wonder and awe. Like, God is wonderful and magnificent and huge. And it's a reminder to expect miracles. And that's what I want for our church. And if you're, like, lacking in that, ask for it. Ask for it. Or even just go outside. I mean, Romans 1 says we have no excuse because God's glory is everywhere in creation. We're like, watch a National Parks documentary. I am a firm believer that the only television worth watching is The Chosen. Can I get an amen? And National Park or nature documentaries. Philly knows. I made her watch one. They're so good. I mean, you're like sitting there and you just see the world. And it's like, wow, God created this. There's monkeys that like fly. And it's just, I mean, it's crazy. There's, 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 okay, they don't really fly. They just, <laughs> Josh has some questions. They, they like jump. Okay, there's these like pokey rocks and they jump from one to the, I mean, it's crazy. You got to watch it. It's on Netflix, National Parks. And there's like giant normal size rhinoceroses. And then there's little tiny, like God is amazing and he's so creative. And like just go watch that and get some inspo. It's amazing. (laughs) So anyways, just go outside and look because his glory is everywhere. And um, a friend asked me on Friday what my dream for Canopy is. And if you know anything about me and Josh, is we have been transformed by the Chronicles of Narnia. If you haven't watched or read, if you haven't read the books as an adult, like go right now and go read them. I mean, it's just the way C.S. Lewis paints Jesus is incredible. But um, one of the things that came to mind when I was asked what my dream for Canopy is, um, there's this scene in the book where Lucy comes back to Narnia and she sees Aslan for the second time and she... He's like down by this river, and she says, oh my gosh, Aslan, you grew. And he says, of course, as you grow, I grow. And that's my dream. Like, as we, the more we learn about God, and I'm learning, the more I learn about God, the less I know about God, because he's so big, and there's always more. And the other thing that would be my dream for us is in the last Narnia book, um, when Aslan's back, and he's creating the new earth, and they call it the new Narnia, um, there's this unicorn, unicorns are my fave, and um, he runs into Narnia and he says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we loved old Narnia is because sometimes it looked a little bit like this. Come further up and come further in. 
And that's beautiful. That's what's ahead for us. There's so much ahead for us. When Jesus comes back to the new earth, that's how we're going to feel. Oh, this is, this is what I was looking for my whole life, and now I feel like I belong. It's amazing. Come further up and further in. So that's my dream for Canopy. That's to not lose our wonder. There's so much to come. So as we head into worship, um, Philly and George, you guys can come back up. Um, I want to pray for a few specific groups of people. Um, One being, if you feel like you're being called or asked um, into obedience, no matter how big or small, we want to pray for you. We believe that prayer is essential to our faith. Um, And so whatever that looks like, it could be something small like, oh, I'm just deciding whether or not to actually even come to Canopy. Or something big like a job change, career change, anything, marriage, whatever it is, uh, we want to pray for you. Um, the second would be we want to pray for those who are seeking God but don't feel like they've like really met him yet. You feel like you're still kind of in the chariot wondering if you'll be accepted or wondering if God really wants you or has something for you. Um, and the third being those who feel like they've been disqualified. Whether you've disqualified yourself or someone has disqualified you, um, we want to pray because man's disqualifications are not God's disqualifications. Jesus says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And we have been made clean by the blood of Jesus. So, yeah. So, um, we want to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to respond. And so, um, yeah, you can come down to the front and you can have staff or leaders pray for you. You can even just pray with the person next to you. Um, so, let me, let me pray for us and then we'll respond with worship. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're after us. Thank you that you want us. Thank you that um, you love us. I pray that for us, we would just continue to get to know you more and that we'd realize the more we know, the less we know because you're so big. Would you surprise us? We ask for miracles in this place. We ask for new things to be made. We ask for new songs to sing. We ask for healing. We ask for adventure. We ask for fun. Just reminded of in Isaiah where it says, I've come to bind the brokenhearted. God, we ask for that. So Holy Spirit, come. We want to respond and pray.